Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast, our mission to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. For those who are sick of winter already, like me, um, I, I want to remind you that the sun actually rose two minutes earlier today than it did last week Sunday. And so we wait for the days to get longer, we wait for winter to end, especially for those who hate winter, wait for summer, and if you really care, there's 340 day, 42 days left until Christmas. We were in our, uh, the last, in our Hope series today, and last week, two weeks ago, at the beginning, we talked about throwing our anchor forward, counting on the coming kingdom that Jesus is going to be bringing. And he brings it incrementally, but he'll also one day bring it completely on uh, that special day that we await. Last week, we talked about having done all to stand. Don't lose the ground that you have gained. Don't lose what God has given you, what he has entrusted with you, the character that you have grown in the time of waiting. Today, I want to have a quick look at a few different passages in Scripture. I want to start with the book of Luke. And I want to remind you that when these gospel writers wrote their texts, they carefully laid them out, planned them, and executed them. And the details in there are not there by accident. And so I'm going to look at the first passage, which is... a usually a Christmas passage, because it happens immediately after Jesus' birth. And it's Luke 2.25, and it says this. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Jesus' parents are bringing the baby into the temple. And this man, Simeon, is there. And it says, he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting, or it could be translated, or looking with anticipation for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Luke attributes three characteristics or three Uh, I guess, characteristics. He attributes three of them to this man, Simeon. He says he was righteous, he was devout, and he was waiting. Three descriptors in the second chapter of Luke. The second last chapter of Luke, we're going to jump all the way to the end, and the first one takes place immediately after Jesus' birth. The second one takes place immediately after his death. And this is Luke 23, 50 to 51. Now, there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decisions and actions of the other religious leaders. He's talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Luke gives Joseph of Arimathea three characteristics. He's good, he's righteous, and he's waiting. That's not by accident. There's a connection between devoutness or righteousness and waiting for God's kingdom. It is righteous to wait for God's kingdom. The, the story of Joseph is actually very strange because he, he's, a, he's a member of the, the, the leading council. The, the name of it was the, the Sanhedrin. And so he's one of these rulers, and it says that he didn't agree with the decision. We're not sure whether he was not there at the meeting or whether he was there and, and out of fear or pressure felt that he had to remain silent. But he was part of this ruling group, and against his wishes, the person he was trusting in, Jesus the Messiah, he goes to the cross and he dies. And all of Jesus' followers flee, because when your Messiah dies, the movement is done. But very strangely, Joseph goes out of his way to ask for Jesus' body so he can properly bury it. When there is nothing in that for him, the movement is dead. There's, there's There's no hope beyond Jesus' death. And yet, the Bible says that he was righteous, he was good, And he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. And he behaved righteously. He behaved good in the burial of Jesus, despite the fact that counting on Jesus had looked like it was a dead end. It looked like there was no hope 
His hope was now buried in the ground. When, there's, when there was nothing to gain, he acted righteously. Waiting, waiting for God's kingdom is a demonstration of trust. So we all understand as followers of Jesus, one day God is going to make everything right. And, and we, we, we strive to grow, we, we, we learn, we absorb scripture, we even attempt to further God's kingdom in partnership with him. But there comes a point when you've done all you can. And when you've done all you can, when you've done all you should, faith and righteousness are demonstrated in expectant waiting. When you've done all you can, we wait for God to do what he's going to do. That is righteousness. When I was really young, I think it was in grade three, and, and they did this lesson, I think they still do it in school today, where they get all the kids to, to get a little styrofoam cup. They probably don't use styrofoam anymore. You put a little bit of dirt in it, you put a seed in it, and you wait for it to grow. It's more than that, because you get the seed out of a little package. The package has a picture on it, and sometimes it's got a little label that you can stick in the dirt, so you can see, you can anticipate what's going to be coming out of the dirt. So you plant the seed. For me, this was nothing new, because my parents were from Holland, and so we had already done this. We'd done this in our yard. We had a little vegetable garden, and we all got to chose a particular, choose a particular plant and, and put it in the ground and water it and put the little, little tag in there so you see what's coming up. And the next day, you go and look at it. There's nothing there. And the day after that, you go and look at it, and there's nothing there. And you start pestering your parents. When is it coming? When is it coming? And it's, it's just not coming. It, the, the plant's not growing. And when you do it in class, you ask your teacher, what, what's happening to this? Or you, you forget about it. The seed's in the dirt. The, the, the cup is in the window. And you, you kind of forget about it. What's happening is under the dirt, where you can't see, there are roots growing. And by the time the first little green thing comes and pops out of the dirt, there's already the roots underneath the ground. There's something happening where we can't see it. The, there, there's an expectation, and it, and it takes longer than we think, but suddenly it's there. See, because you see that nothing is happening, doesn't mean that nothing is happening. Even when you can't see it, something is happening. You can't, you can't make that seed grow. You can't make it grow any faster. But you wait expectantly knowing that it will. You do the work, you prepare the garden, put a little hole in it, you plant the seed, you put the dirt over top, you water it. But what you don't do is you don't keep poking at it and digging it. You don't dig it up from time to time and say, how's it doing? Because you'll kill it. You have to let it stay down there because when you've done all you can, the demonstration of your expectant faith is that I've done everything that I need to do at the right time, it's going to grow. It's going to pop out of the ground. That's the expectant waiting. I'm going to read a, a passage from James. James 5, verses 7 to 9. And this is James. This is the, the brother of Jesus, post-resurrection. He's writing to the early church, and he says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. And that, in that climate, they, they had... Rain come twice a year, and that the crops would be planted depending on which one was coming. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And there's a warning there. In the waiting, and I, and I see this happening today in today's culture with, with the, the tumult and the, and, and the crisis that we experience, when people get frustrated, they start grumbling against one another. 
but to be expectantly waiting for Jesus' imminent return. And that means two things. It means that the end of time return, but it also means when he's going to bring about change prior to his return. We will not indefinitely be in lockdown. Things will change. We will not indefinitely be watching or trying to participate in a church service from home in our living rooms watching it on the TV. We will be together again one day. And Jesus is going to do things that we don't see right now. In fact, he's already doing things in preparation for what we don't see right now. 1972, there was an experiment done, Stanford University, and it's called the Stanford Marshmallow Experiment. It's it's kind of a, it was a fun little thing. They they put a kid in a room, and and, uh, the the tester, the experimenter, gave the kid a marshmallow and said, you have choice. You can eat this marshmallow now, but if you don't eat it now, I'll come back in 15 minutes and give you a second marshmallow so you get two. And so... The funny part is some kids immediately, like, they just gobble up the marshmallow. Hey, bird in the hand, right? But they had a camera on the room. And they, were, they, they, they showed what the kids did. And some of them immediately ate it as soon as the, the tester left the room. But other kids, uh, they, would, they would look at it, maybe pick a little piece off. There, were, there was one little girl who would try not to look at it. She, she danced around the room singing in order to distract herself from taking the marshmallow that she really wanted because to wait meant to get a second marshmallow. But that's not all that the, t- the experiment was about. See, they, they, they tracked the kids down the road as they got older. And th- there was a correlation, a strong correlation between the ones that waited for the second marshmallow and their success in life when it came to their SAT scores, when it came to their BMI, their health, when it came to their, their educational attainment. The ones that were able to delay their gratification were the ones that tended to be more successful in life. Because delaying gratification is a necessary part of maturity, of growing. That's a big deal. There was a United Methodist bishop uh, who passed away some some years ago, but this century. His name is Reuben Job, and he's credited with saying, we do not wait well. When we open the service, Mariah opens, welcomed everybody, and said, you know, we really struggle with waiting. And we do. We struggle with waiting. We don't wait well. Because we struggle with delayed gratification. Our natural instinct is to pursue pleasure and avoid pain. And if we can get everything that we need while pursuing pleasure and avoiding pain, then that would be great. But the reality is we can't. We can't get everything we need by simply pursuing pleasure and avoiding pain. And if we only pursue pleasure and avoid pain, we will be the the one marshmallow kid. We will miss out on the benefits that we should be accruing in life. We, it's easier, actually, to delay our gratification when, when we see an end goal. So, for example, it's, it's easy to, easier to suffer through school when you know you're going to graduate one day. And then you graduate high school, and guess what? A lot of you are going to go back to school. That's, that's really depressing. But then, you, then you, you, if, you, if you graduate with an undergrad, and some people go on and get a master's degree and even more. And then, but some people say, I'm finally done with school. I'm free. And then you get a job, right? And you're no longer free again. But, but you've attained something. You've attained a degree. You've ended, attained education. And while you're in it, you can see that end goal. You're working towards that end goal. You know what you're going to get. And you have a pretty good idea how long it's going to take. We can put up with so much in our life if we understand how long we have to suffer for it and what we're going to get at the end. 
some things are more difficult. You want to run a four-minute mile? Guess what? You're not going to know how long it's going to take to get there. But you still have the end goal in mind. These kind of things, that's what keeps us from, from maybe eating that extra piece of cake. Or if you have a financial plan, maybe not putting that grande frappuccino on your credit card, maybe you, you know, don't, don't put yourself in debt for large coffees, fancy coffees from Starbucks, right? So, so you have an end goal in mind, and that gives you the discipline. You know what makes it harder? It makes it harder when you don't necessarily see the end goal. It makes it a lot harder when you don't know how long it's going to take. That's where it comes down to trust in God. Do we trust God that no matter how long it's going to take, and even though we don't see exactly the end goal, God has a good plan for us. God has a good plan for you. No matter what you're experiencing now, maybe you're frustrated, maybe you're depressed, maybe you're just coasting. You're going, yeah, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to coast for as long as it takes. God has a purpose and a plan for you. And our call is to do whatever it takes, is to do what we can, do what we should, but when we can't anymore, we wait in expectant trust because expectant waiting is righteousness. That is devoutness. God has an agenda for the world. And he's got an agenda for you, for your good and the good of the world. I'm going to read John 12, 24. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, Plentiful harvest of new lives. Now, this is, a, this is a verse ripped out of context. Let me give you the context. Right before he said that, he said, the Son of Man is about to be glorified. It's a, it's a little bit of a weird story in John because his disciples say there's a bunch of uh, Greek believers that want to meet with you. And it's one of those, like, the story gets cut off where Jesus seems to ignore them. And he says, you know, now's the time. I'm going to be glorified. And then he says, but unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies. And he's giving a hint here. He's giving a hint of something that Joseph of Arimathea did not see, even though he was righteous in preparing Jesus for burial. The hint is that death is not the end. I'm going to be glorified unless a kernel of wheat dies. And then immediately after that, he says, those who love their life in this world will lose it. And so there's, there's a direct implication to him. He's prophesying his death and resurrection, but he's also saying this matters for us. It matters for us. If we are unwilling to let it die. What is it? Maybe you have dreams. Maybe you have agendas. You have, you, you have things that you want to achieve. And right now, you can't do it. Maybe you have a school goal. Maybe you have a career goal. Maybe you have a family goal. Maybe your plan was to go to Disney World this year and you go, dream is dead. When the dream is dead, it may be under the ground giving birth to something new. And when we trust God, who is good, who loves us, there's something going on under the ground that you can't see that will bring forth something that's bigger than you dreamed possible. Are you willing to wait? Are you willing to trust, demonstrate your faith in expectant waiting trust? Do you have dreams and expectations that have become dormant? Have they gone, are they invisible? Have they, have they gone underground? In the waiting, prepare the garden. Water the soil. The roots grow below the surface before the fruit grows above the ground. That's why we have a course called Abide. So we can learn to hear God's voice. The word abide, somebody asked me that once, what does the word even mean? It means to live, but there's different, there's different, live means so many different things. Our English language is funny. So to live is the opposite of being dead. That's not what abide means. 
There, there's a word, an old English word, older. It would probably be Middle English. Um, and it, the word is dwell. So we've replaced that with the word live. Where do you dwell means where do you live. And talking about your address. My house is my dwelling place. That's where I dwell. Abide is very close to that. It's where you live. But it, it's more than dwell. It's, it's to be there and stay there. To wait there. To abide means to wait in one place. To live in that place. To remain in that place. More um, contemporary translations would tra translate the word abide to remain. Jesus says, if you abide in me and I in you, but the more contemporary translations say, if you remain in me and I in you. Remain doesn't capture the, the, the nuance of living in Jesus. If, if I live in you and you live in me, that is abiding, that oneness. When we live in him and he lives in us, when we stay there, when we remain there, when we dwell there, that's when we experience life. Whether we see the fruit, whether we're getting exactly what we want, or whether we're in that waiting place. So we have a course called Abide that teaches you how to do that. How do you hear from God even when you're waiting? How do you hear from God in your day-to-day? -day? How, you, how do you have your life built from the inside out? How, how do you... Um, how, Jesus says that, that when you're attached to the vine, you'll produce fruit. So how do we attach ourselves to the vine and remain there, abide there, live there, dwell there? That's what Abide teaches you. And it's filled up, but there's still room. So we, we have enough people to have three uh, abide classes going, which, we're, as Mariah said earlier, we're very grateful for. There's still room, but time is running out. So if you go to crossons.live, and I think it's under events, you can sign up for that. And if you have done abide, then you have the opportunity to take the second one, which is grow character, which we, when you talk about we're getting our life from the inside out from Jesus, from his spirit living within us, Okay, now let's talk about how we leverage that for the production of fruit, for the production of character, for, the, for becoming more Christ-like, which is God's intention for us. And there's still room then there as well. We have three nights available, um, but that's filled up, filling up as well. When you've done all you can, stand firm and wait. Your waiting is a demonstration of righteousness. It's a demonstration of faith. It's a demonstration of allegiance and trust. And maybe you have, you have you're waiting for nothing. Maybe you don't, maybe you don't know what it is to have a relationship with God. And I will invite you into that. I want to invite you into that relationship because that is where true life is. When the situation is good, that's where true life is. When the situation is bad, that's where true life is. And there are times where God will will take away he will allow the, the things in your life that you're depending on that are less than ideal to be pulled away from your life to put you in a place where you recognize your need for him. Anyone that's a follower of Jesus at some point has been there. We put our trust, we put our allegiance in all kinds of other things, but the only place where true life comes from is in that relationship with God through Jesus. It's the reason why Jesus went to the cross. He willingly went to the cross to open the way Open a pathway for you to have a relationship with God. That, that in him, the relationship with your life-giving creator is made available. So how do you do it? It's as simple as ABC. A is admit your need for him. Especially now in a, in a, in a crisis, in a pandemic, and you, you may have everything falling apart. God has a solution for you. God has a life for you that's beyond your imagination. And admit it. Acknowledge it. I need you. What I'm doing is not working. B is believe. Believe, believe isn't just a... A mental ascent. It's, it's, a, it's a trust. I am trusting 
that this path, that this life that, that Jesus made possible is, is the one that I'm going to put my trust in. And then C is committing to that, which, which is saying that my old life is not the life I'm living anymore. I'm now living the Jesus life. I'm, I'm jumping all in, both feet. And I'm going to walk this path. And if that's something you want to do today, I, I, would, I just want to lead you in a prayer. And I, I want you to even let us know that, that you're praying this day for the first time. You can do it on the YouTube chat. You can do it on crosslands.live. Go to follow Jesus. Because none of us walks this life alone. But I just want to lead you in a prayer. I'm gonna, I'll say the words. You can echo them or you can, you can just make them yours in your head. Uh, I would encourage you to actually say them out loud if you, if you can follow along because that, that becomes a, the act in itself of making the commitment. Like when you say, I do at a wedding. The saying is the doing. Make this commitment to Jesus today. So pray something like this. Father in heaven, thank you for the life that you are offering. I admit that without you, I'm not making it. I admit that without you, I have no hope for tomorrow or for eternity. And I'm choosing to trust in Jesus today. I'm choosing to believe in the path that he has laid out for me to have a relationship with you. And I'm committing myself to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's really that simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. But we do need to walk together. None of us is, can do this alone. It's why Jesus has built his church on earth. And I, I would love for you to connect with us at Crosslands. We're a community of followers of Jesus. We want to walk with you. We want to help you in this. So go to crosslands.live and, and click the follow Jesus. Give us, give us your contact info and, and we'll help you with this. We're going to close the service and I closed last week with a, with a verse and we don't do that all the time. But I, I, I said the verse sort of as a, as a blessing over you, whoever is participating with us. And I want to do that again today. I'm going to read from Lamentations 3 verses 22 to 24. And it says this, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. It's also translated, I will wait for him. Father, this morning we do put our hope in you. We're putting our trust in you, your character, your actions. And we know that the good future you have for us is far beyond anything we can imagine today. So Father, we, when we've done all we can, we wait patiently for you to come. We wait for your presence in our lives. We wait for you to perform the actions that we, are, that, that we are needing, that we are depending on. Financial needs, relational needs, health needs, career needs, direction for, for relationships, direction for school. We are counting on you to come through. And until you do, we will do everything we can to live in you, to abide in you, to, to pursue the hearing of your voice, to be transformed by you, and we wait. We wait for you to come through in the only way that you can. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you love us. I thank you that you have good plans for us. We love you.
In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.